0: We are going to continue our series on this question, Why am I here? I think for many people, maybe you're amongst that number this morning, this answer from a 14-year-old girl to her teacher, this 14-year-old girl said, Life is eating and drinking, sleeping and waking, loving and leaving, laughing and crying, becoming sick and dying. That's what life is all about. That was her answer to that question. You see, for money, life is simply an hourglass. And people realize that more sand might be at the bottom of the hourglass than the top. And for some people, maybe even you, to have that realization in your life is to cause fear. And there's going to be three things that we're going to consider this morning. The first is the burden of time. The second is the gift of time. And the third is the redeemer of our time. So let's begin with the burden of time. And and just by way of introduction, if your spirit feels weighed down by the end of this point, I want to encourage you to keep listening. And the reason I say that is even since the dawn of time that we know it, civilizations have been very fascinated by the clock and the turning calendar. And ancient civilizations soon realized the turning of the calendar was outside of their control. This fatuation with time was also fear-driven. Some of you might know that the ancient Greek culture and the ancient Roman culture personified time with a god they called a Father Time. He was depicted then as an aged man. He's often characterized as one carrying a scythe, a tool for harvesting, and this was to show that there was a cycle in the seasons of our lives, a time for planting and a time for harvesting. During the period of the Renaissance, Father Time was depicted a bit differently. He now holds an hourglass, which shows the relentless movement of time in one direction. But even more sinister to that was the reason why they kept the scythe. It's no longer a sign for a changing season, but became the sign for the grim reaper, the harvesting of souls. Time ultimately does catch up with you, death will find you, you will not escape its clutches. And the nature of time in a world plagued by sin and suffering without the knowledge of the one who has fashioned it is a heavy burden. And I want to draw your attention this morning to the teacher who does not ease this burden as he observes the passing of time in this beautiful poem we have before us. We believe it's Solomon in the twilight years of his life. And he begins this by saying, there is a time for everything, verse 1, and a season for every activity under the heavens. This is a comprehensive picture for him of life on earth. You see, everything transpires under the sun. Everything from waking to sleeping, from eating to drinking, from singlehood to married life, from caring for your child, and one day your child caring for you. Everything is marked by a time and a season. This is the full orb of your life. He begins with two inevitable fixed points, your birth and your death. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. He provides for us, you could say, a zero-sums game on our life. You see, he pairs up words together with opposite to help us create this comprehensive picture. There are word pictures that juxtapose, that are put together, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal A time to tear down and a time to build. And I want you to notice that if you were to count them, there are 14 pairs of these words. But I want to draw your attention to another reality, that each positive reality is met by a negative one. And if you were to add those two together, I wonder what the value would be. You have zero. Ultimately, everything ends up being zero. You might live a thousand years on planet earth, but at the end you take nothing with you when you die. And therefore, there is ultimately no gain. That's Solomon's conclusion. And not only does he conclude that it's a zero-sums game this life, he also concludes that it's intense, really painful, because the journey is such an interconnected journey. Almost everything that he talks about is interconnected in the relationships that we enjoy in this life. You see, our times and our seasons on this earth are deeply relational. And that's why a lockdown is a natural aversion. We have a natural aversion to lockdown because we are such relational beings. And this reality that we're created to be relational only intensifies then the burden of our time here on earth. One day you will dance with the one you love, and the next day you will mourn his or her death as she's lowered into the grave. Our time on earth is all bound up in the presence or absence of the relationships we are in, and that intensifies the burden You say, Pastor, you're making me very depressed. I realize that. Doesn't it surprise you then that this is in the Bible, the book of life? The inexorable nature of time is a great burden in a broken, fallen world. And the teacher, inspired from above, does not want us to have a false picture of this reality, especially because he's writing also to the youth, for the youth did not have a false picture of this reality. You see, this is not a Hollywood thriller that people can simply turn off and say, wow, I'm so glad that that's not reality. And we have to deal with this reality. Time, you say, has stolen so much from me already. I struggle to find meaning in life. I have a hard time answering the question, why am I here? But I assure you, loved ones, that from the depth of this hole that you might be in, under the weight of this great burden, There is then only one way to look. It is up. And the next two points are going to drive home this message that by looking up, we can source a timeless hope in the face of this great burden. And we look at the first reality here, and this is the second point, that that time is actually a gift. The teacher again begins, there is a time for everything in a season for every activity under the heavens. If you read that, you must understand then that there is this divine hand marking the times and seasons of all that transpires under the heavens. There are seasons and there are times for everything. But you and I know as the ancients realized that we're not ultimately in control of these seasons and these times. And neither are the nations of this world that come and go. You see, even COVID nineteen is not a perchance maverick virus that all of a sudden entered the pages of history. No, this is also a season marked. Isaiah forty five verse seven says, I form light and create darkness, I make well being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things or create disaster, we read. Isaiah 46, verse 10 says, I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come? I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. This is God speaking. You see, the reformer Martin Luther put it like this. He says, everything comes and goes at the time that God has appointed. Time lies outside the choice of man. And I want to remind you this morning that this, in fact, is a gift to you and to me. It's a gift because it forces us to trust then in the absolute and complete sovereignty of God over the times and seasons of our lives. And as we understand that complete sovereignty and control that God has, we do well then to hear the words of verse 11 from our text. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also said eternity in the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. You see, there's a beauty in the seasons of our lives, though they confront real challenges for us. And when you say, well, Pastor, I can hardly find beauty in the times of weeping and mourning. But the beauty, loved ones, comes in the confidence that behind this veil of tears, there's a purpose far greater than we can fathom. Paul tries to capture this reality for us in Romans 8, verse 28. He says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We can't fathom this reality, but we can believe in its truth. You see, God desires that we see our lives not just between the parameters of birth and death, that we see our lives on a much larger canvas, the canvas of eternity, You see, there's something beyond what we can see and touch and hear in these few short years of our lives. Solomon drives this point home in verse 14. He says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account. That the fear of God who is the author of Time, is a theme that we need to constantly come back to and Solomon does as well because it forces the reader to realize one day etched in God's eternal plan, we will have our day in his divine court. It is a gift that allows us to put life in its proper perspective. And for some people, they're going to wait until the 11th hour to realize that they have this day in court. But Solomon wants you and me to realize before the 11th hour, even because some people don't even make it to the 11th hour, he wants us to realize already now that that day in court, it's going to happen. I need you to picture that moment in your life when your heart begins to beat faintly, when your friends are weeping and the medicine no longer avails, when all the worldly pleasures mean nothing anymore. All that is before you is an eternity when the care of your soul is the only thing that is needed, at that moment is an immense gift to you. Because it's at that time, but we need to cause this time to happen even now before we meet that deathbed experience. Because we realize at that moment of that day when that comes upon us that we will soon pass, that we're going then to enter into the courts of God He will judge the living and the dead. You see, when we have this moment of, of awareness, we realize that ultimately there are only two places which will become the eternal home. Either you will enter a timeless misery of hell where it will not be said that everything is beautiful in its time, that will not be said of hell, or you'll enter into the arms of the one who has saved your soul for all eternity and you will experience a satisfaction that you could not even possibly imagine. You see, facing that reality is a gift that the teacher wants you and I to grab, and in particular, the youth to grab, because sometimes they think they can live forever. There's a time infused with grace that we realize we need a redeemer of our time. And I want to close with this. There is a redeemer of our time. You see, the God who has created the seasons and times of our life saw it fit to enter into our space to bring us redemption, to in fact redeem us from the tyranny of time. There's no other way to redeem the hours of our lives but through his own death. And now he's calling you and he's calling me to redeem the short hours that we have left on earth. And you say, well, pastor, how do I redeem this hour of my life this time by surrendering every hour every day every moment of your life to him alone and you need to do that if you haven't today because today is the day of your salvation you're not promised tomorrow that's my prayer for you That you will serve the one who says to us today, follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. And that's with Christ. What is the meaning of time then? It's Christ, the redeemer of your life. There is purpose in this life with him at the center.